0: When you start developing an application, you think you know what your columns are supposed to be, you think you know the data you're going to store, and then adding a new column or changing a data type, uh, if you've decided that there's a better way to go about it, somewhere down the line, is really, really hard. Ultimately, we want to create something that's simple, right? Our motto is simplicity without sacrifice. We try to give you, as a developer, everything that we wish we had in a database. It's nice to have a tool that doesn't get in your way and instead allows you to be flexible as your development process evolves. Hey, this is
1: Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit HeavyBit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Jackson Rep from Harper DB. What's up, Jackson? How much are you doing? I am doing fabulous. Like you mentioned off air, that you got 70 degrees weather in uh, Denver. I've got 73 degrees out here on the West Coast in uh, Oakland, and uh, I'm ready to go outside. To be quite honest. <laughs>
0: We just opened our pool this past weekend, and so immediately yesterday it rained all day. <laughs> Excellent. But I have high hopes for this weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, perfect timing with the rain. But uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be, uh, well, at least where we live, it's going to be a, a nice couple days for sure. I didn't actually bring you on to talk about the weather. Uh, it's nice that we could talk about that. But I want to talk about HarperDB. Uh, so you're VP of product at Harper. I guess, would you like to do your job and explain what, what Harper is?
0: Well, HarperDB is a distributed database, meaning uh, multiple nodes that can hold independent sets of data distributed across your cluster, what we call a cluster, uh, so that you can move data into specific regions or into specific zones of access with specific users that might want to primarily read or write into any given table and move that data around uh, what we refer to as a comprehensive data plane.
1: Okay. Okay. Excellent. And uh, we just skipped right over and introducing yourself, but do you want to tell us how you sort of got in the data world and working on product at HarperDB?
0: Absolutely. I was working for an IoT platform uh, where we were doing lots of reads and writes of sensor data, very high-speed data, and I needed a database that had a sort of atomic transactions. Traditionally, drivers that would connect to a database you could forget to close your connection. I Our platform wasn't necessarily as elegant as it needed to be to do that, and I found the HTTP API of HarperDB super useful. I found an error in their documentation, and I wrote to them at just hello at HarperDB and mentioned it. And then I started up dialogue with them, and eventually it turned into a consulting contract, and eventually a full-time job.
1: Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's those are like the serendipitous stories of like folks getting their next job, their new jobs. I had a very similar experience at my former employer at Netlify. I was a customer when it was less than, at that point, I think they had about 8,000 customers, so it wasn't small, but they were around for a couple years, and uh, they just happened to follow my work, and then I did that, and now I run this podcast. and I'm really interested in the idea of atomic databases, too, as well, if I got that correctly. But I wanted to touch back really quick on what you just mentioned about database planes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you explain more about... like? Is that a scaling technique for Harper?
0: Well, no, consider that most systems ultimately exist to either record or read data. Yeah. However, they might, in a distributed system, say an IoT system or a massive global network, they might have different responsibilities across the various nodes in a system. So there might be very, very write-heavy nodes uh, in certain regions or, say, next to a sensor with very few reads because the data is just going in. Yeah. However, up in a cloud node where you're attempting to monitor all of your sensors, you have, you know, a heavy read load but very few writes. Say administrative thresholds might be loaded in there. Traditionally, this is, you know, transactional versus analytical databases and we style ourselves as a hybrid between those two. We have exceptionally good read and write performance and unmatched flexibility in terms of how you deploy these nodes across your network. So the data plane really is a comprehensive solution for all of your data needs with one single installable application.
1: Yeah, so who's the ideal end user for leveraging and grabbing Harper? You mentioned IoT and like reading sensors quite a bit, but like, do you have like use cases of companies that are leveraging Harper as well?
0: We do. It started out primarily as a developer-focused product where... The HTTP API makes it very, very easy because everybody's already making HTTP calls inside their applications anyway. So rather than adding a a driver or opening a connection, executing some transactions, and then forgetting to close your connection and ultimately overloading your database server, the atomic transactions where it's just as soon as the HTTP request is done, your transaction is closed, that connection is closed, and you can count ultimately on that being recorded as soon as that transaction is over, as soon as that HTTP call is over. Ultimately, what we're finding is that the distributed nature of the product is extremely appealing to large enterprise who have massive user bases where they need to have ACID compliance, they need to record that data, they need to know that it's written, and ultimately, they don't want to move all of their data, full replica sets, around the globe. They maybe just want partial replica sets. So, I'm only recording data in South America from South American users. There might be an aggregate of that table or some distillation of that table that I ship up to the cloud, but I don't tend to ship all of my data everywhere. So it's a much more efficient use of space, resources, and ultimately delivers functionality to what we refer to as the edge.
1: Yeah. And uh, when you talk about localized data storage, which I, I don't know if that's a proper term, feel free to correct me. I think of things like the things that are happening with GDPR and how you need to keep record of like what edge networks and what uh, the the data centers. I know there's like a lot of questions and concerns about like where you store the data and how do you sort of like make it equitable and also transparent for end users. Is that an opted in or is that given to you for free with uh, something like Harper if you're going to be storing on the edge?
0: That's more of a data storage policy. Got it. We're more of a an efficiency of storage. So. We allow you to record anything you want, obviously, into the database. But ultimately, you don't need to record stuff that's never going to make it into the executive dashboard, which is driven by the cloud node. Yeah. If what you're really looking for is to look at high-frequency data and look for anomalies or run machine learning algorithms against it, and ultimately what you're really going to ship upstream is a distillation of that, the result of analysis of that. So really what you do is you record all you want and depending on what you're using that data for, you can either push it up to the cloud or an edge node, which might need thresholds to analyze, can pull and subscribe to the thresholds, which are administered in the cloud, but then pulled down to those edge nodes.
1: Okay, excellent. So would you, I talked about the end users and use cases too as well, but like, as far as like a developer, like, are you primarily targeting to like DBAs or can... Developers on a smaller project, maybe they're not quite enterprise, would they approach leveraging this um, in their use cases?
0: That's a really good question. And and one of the key aspects of our our data model is that everything is indexed by default. So the way we store data with an underlying key value store and lots of different relations in between those keys and values allows us to Remove from your area of responsibility, building indexes. If you've ever had a, a database with a billion records in it and you decided to make a query run slightly faster by adding a new index, it's sort of like, okay, let's let this run over the weekend and we hope it's done and doesn't affect our primetime performance. Ultimately, we decided that to keep things easier for developers and to sort of collapse the stack in terms of functionality, we'd build a database that was already indexed, no matter what query you were going to run, and that had an HTTP API on the front of it so that you didn't have to worry about like third-party drivers or massive libraries to get stuff in and out of your database.
1: Okay, excellent. And going through the documentation, I saw that there was uh, a term that I was curious to dig into, which is SQL and JSON. Mm-hmm. I guess, how would you consume
0: the Harper DB data? So you would leverage a simple fetch call or or HTTP call, any request basically against our API. And one of our operations is titled SQL. And the body of that SQL statement can be just any normal SQL statement, despite the fact that we allow you to store JSON documents as records. So deeply nested documents akin to MongoDB. Yeah. One of the things you run into inevitably when when you're looking at MongoDB is once you need to, do something with the data that you've stored because it's very good at storing it. It's super flexible. You don't have to find a schema. Once you try to join two tables, you end up having to do that in code Yeah, because it's not natively, right? So you pull it out and then you join it with another query and, and it takes much longer than it needs to. So we allow you to use SQL against JSON formatted data. Now you might just be putting in individual rows without JSON and it would work just like a relational database. However, we also allow you to query on deeply nested fields and join on those as well. So SQL on JSON is ultimately, let's call it a a signal that we do the language you're comfortable with with the data flexibility that makes NoSQL databases so so incredibly appealing.
1: I like that too as well. And like I, I understand like some limitations when you have like giant JSON blobs and documents. And I know the appeal of using something like SQL to be able to say, like, oh, I know how to basically get this data, or relational databases, mm-hmm. uh, how to get this relation to that data. So it sounds like, is this built into the SDK, or is this just built into the entire underlying technology of Harper?
0: This is built into the entire underlying technology of HarperDB. We use a library called Ala SQL. We've done a, uh, okay. a podcast with those guys and talked about how their library is exceptionally good at taking Ultimately, the standard SQL that we're all familiar with, and parsing that out into a format that's much more reminiscent of our, effectively, our NoSQL query engine. So we just break down SQL queries into something that HarperDB's API understands natively, yeah. and then we pull that data back.
1: Okay, that's fascinating stuff. And I, I don't have a, a use case for like massive reads uh, in my data, but like, I know there's a lot of like side projects. I got to chat with the um, folks from Home Assistant and. The maintainers over there, they have lots of IoT devices and you can manage your own data. That's literally what Home Assistant is all about, managing your own data and being able to create your own cloud uh, in your your bedroom, your kitchen, whatever you want. So like, I I can see the use case, but uh, I'm curious of how can folks get started trying out HarperDB? Is this something that you need to actually start when you start your new project or can you invest in integrating into your project today?
0: You can integrate it. Super easily. We have a cloud-hosted SaaS product with a free tier, so you can always go to harperdb.io and sign up for free. There's a button in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll get started, log in, and you can spin up a free server with HarperDB, at which point you can just go through the docs, which are also located at HarperDB, and figure out what kind of operations you want to use. One of the great things about having a standard HTTP API is that while you'd want to have a server-side component to that for authorization and managing access to the data, while you're prototyping your application, you can just make those HTTP calls directly from your front-end code. So ultimately, you can skip building an API for the initial phase. And then, not to reveal too much, but an upcoming release of HarperDB is going to have something we call custom functions, which ultimately allows you to build in that API code all of your custom methods with access to core HarperDB functions as well. So it's built on top of Fastify, much like our regular operational HTTP API. So it's super fast, super scalable, and allows you to ultimately collapse that stack even further. So now you don't have to run a separate API server either.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I like that trend that I've seen. I don't know if it's a trend, but like doing more on the edge is something that I'm I'm enjoying, seeing a lot. It's stuff that I've been playing around with and being able to have small sort of manipulations of the data that it happens at the time and I've either writing it or reading it is something that I like to hear. Sure. And I would love to sort of Kick that around and, and test it out for sure. Yeah, uh, I did see you mentioned Fastify, but also I saw uh, things like a uh, Postman uh, referenced in the documentation as well. What about um, integrations? Like, are you able to integrate different features uh, or even open source features uh, inside SQL? I'm more of a Postgres person, but I don't know what the uh, all the open source stuff that's on SQL.
0: Yeah, so we have a developer marketplace which is full of SDKs for various languages for interacting with HarperDB. So inside. Su- The way one might call an HTTP API or parse the data that comes back is different for every language. And so we have a bunch of SDKs for different languages. We also have ODBC and JDBC drivers. We have an Excel driver. So we have myriad ways to access data in HarperDB. And ultimately, we want to be as flexible as possible. So while our core technology is not open source, we are headed in a direction where we're going to reduce HarperDB to just the core functionality of accepting data, writing it, and retrieving it very, very quickly. And then functions like our HTTP API or custom function server, or even our clustering engine, eventually will be moved out into their own modules. And those will be open source because we know what works for clustering for the use cases that we've experienced and for the customers for whom you know, we're doing implementations. But somebody might decide that they want to write a Lightning fast zero MQ clustering engine to move data between nodes, and we're going to afford them the opportunity to just create a plugin or a module, drop it into a folder, and then they can use that. Or they can please issue a pull request against our open source modules. That would be great.
1: Yeah, and I saw the there's developer examples too as well. So like there's an example with Python machine learning. There's also one with React hooks and using HarperDB as well. So, uh, but then there's some like more. Not hardcore, but concrete examples like car performance monitoring app—that would be a really cool, fun project to work on. Um, actually, I, I do have a kind of a newer car, and I'm just super impressed with like the Android tablets they've been shoving in all the new Fords and Nissans. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it'd be it'd be like a nice little well, fun project to see it about hacking that, but also not voiding your warranty. But that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, I was just calling out uh, HarperDB.io slash developers slash developer examples. It looks like there's uh, quite a few examples folks can kick around for sure yes indeed one thing i mentioned too as well and i know this is going to be a, a tweet or email uh, but i made a comparison of postgres and sql together as they were different but they are technically the same postgres being a flavor uh, of sql my question for you though with harper like is what's the uh, flavor of sql that's that you're leveraging
0: well we are technically the best of both worlds a a traditional relational database and a NoSQL database, so NoSQL being the you know unstructured data JSON document type MongoDB sort of store, but the ability to because we index every field, including in those JSON documents, ultimately we can function as performant as a most traditional relational database platforms. So,
1: yeah, yeah, and you mentioned that early too. I completely forgot, but um, that's pretty novel too as well, having the best of both worlds. I've never actually heard of folks combining the two, I guess, models together? Like um, It sounds pretty novel, but maybe I'm just not as educated
0: of other competitors. Well, Postgres can store a JSON data type, so that can be a, a column type. Oh, okay. Um, and Microsoft SQL Server can uh, also store JSON in a field, but you have to define those field types. Yeah. Whereas we simply allow you to, if you just insert a completely flat JSON document, it will effectively become a row, a flat row, just like in a relational database. If one of those fields has JSON in it, it will simply amend or in those individual rows that do have JSON in it, it will put JSON in it. And I think one of the nice parts about the flexibility of this model is when you start developing an application, you think you know what your columns are supposed to be. You think you know the data you're going to store. And then adding a new column or changing a data type, uh, if you've decided that there's a better way to go about it, somewhere down the line is really, really hard in databases that aren't built to be as flexible as ours.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, story of my life. I'm actually work currently working on a project um, where I created the schema for the database uh, using Postgres. And uh, I haven't touched anything new to it because I'm not sure if I made the right decision. So I don't want to add new features and then figure out, oh, you know what, <laughs> I got to go... Create a whole other migration and change up my my entire schema, my database. So I've been very slow in building features there because I want to make sure I get it right. Mm-hmm. I'm the one working on the project. There's not a lot of other like users and contributors, and I'm terrified of making the wrong decision and missing out on users because my data is completely broken. So it's nice to hear the flexibility is the thing uh, with Harper.
0: Ultimately, we want to create something that's simple, right? Our our motto is simplicity without sacrifice. So we try to give you as a developer, everything that we wished we had in a database and always found lacking or always it was just part of your boilerplate when you're starting a new project. Okay, yeah. I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. And what if they were all just one product and your job was to just save data or ask for data?
1: Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you're solving that problem so that way I could just come in and <laughs> leverage all the knowledge uh, from day one as opposed to me trying to, as I mentioned, trying to figure all this out up front because I'm terrified of making a mistake. Because uh, it's just not my. I'm not a DBA. <laughs> Databases is not the place I I feel comfortable in. So I I do a lot of reading and a lot of testing, and then I ch- hopefully can move on from that.
0: <laughs> well, I think we're gaining a lot of traction lately with a lot of not only independent developers who are super passionate on our feature suggestion board, but also massive international clients with huge footprints and massive user bases who really appreciate that. There's fewer moving parts to the system. And ultimately, it's a better solution for a lot of, unless you're highly specialized, you could do almost anything with HarborDB.
1: Yeah, that, that is awesome to hear too. It sounds like you're getting the, the best of both worlds as well. And I saw the on the the list of um, companies that are leveraging Harper, one of them being the U.S. Army. I'm curious if Harper. You, you mentioned in passing, but you're able to use Harper for things that require security clearance as well, like y'all have set up. I'm fishing for the terms I've heard them, but like things like SOC two and uh, data compliance things.
0: We meet the requirements for the project as spec. A lot of it is implementation when you're looking at those specifications. So we don't have yeah. co- ultimately control over any of the hardware. And to be honest, what we prototype on to demonstrate that our capabilities are sufficient for their requirements are nowhere near ultimately what the final thing is, and I doubt we'll ever learn. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, I guess only one way to learn and that's the, the joy in the army, yeah. I guess. I've.
0: Ultimately it comes down to asset compliance and, yeah. you know, fault tolerant networking. So if a node goes down and it can't publish or subscribe data to another node, is it going to be able to store that, hold on to it? And then as soon as a network connection is restored, will it be able to, in a seamless manner, uh, reconnect and continue to do its job? And, and we live up to that standard.
1: Excellent. And, uh, I assume because you mentioned the Harper Cloud uh, and you're able to have the hosted version, uh, but you're also to take this uh, and host it like a, in your own sort of cloud infrastructure as well. No problem.
0: Absolutely, we are an npm package, so you can simply npm install HarperDB. Excellent.
1: Well, I can't wait to actually kick this around and try it out. I'm um, I'm a big fan of this trying out stuff randomly for a little side projects and see if
0: it sticks. I will tell you that it will it will change your development flow and it will. I hope I'm not being too grandiose, but it will change your life as a developer <laughs> because it, as the guy who has been handed a napkin and told that this is the spec for a new feature or an entire product, it's nice to have a tool that doesn't get in your way and instead allows you to be flexible as your development process kind of evolves and your product evolves. And ultimately, yeah. if I'm one thing for this product, it is I'm the representative yeah. of the developer who has had to fight for requirements and ultimately been told that despite I being handed none, that my architecture was wrong and now it's going to cost lots of time and money to fix it. And HarperDB DB doesn't put you in a spot like that.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Well, jackson i super appreciate you coming through talking about harper folks definitely try it out npm install this thing uh try it out for your next side project your next work project or integrate into your your current work projects that'd be uh, super awesome to hear the feedback uh you can find us on twitter with that jackson i want to move into a section i call picks these are jam picks things we're jamming on uh, it could be movies food music technology it's really across the board and uh if you don't mind, I'll go first and then I'll let you, I'll give you a chance to fish up some picks that you're jamming on. So I've got two. One that I, I'm super enjoying, and I've been enjoying this for like the past, like I think eight or nine years, which is Bob's Burgers. Uh, it is my go to for like if I don't know what to watch or my wife's like, hey, do you want to watch something? I was like, I don't know what to watch. I'll just catch up. Like I caught up on like eight episodes of Bob's Burgers this last season. Uh, it's also like my, my programming buddy too, as well. So like if I want to like, Hack away at something, but also want to have like a couple of breaks. So, like things like Harper, if I'm going to try Harper out, I'll throw on Bob's Burgers, an old episode. NPM install, see what it looks like, read the docs, laugh at a little bit what's happening on the TV, and then go back to my laptop. So, I'm very much like used to do my homework with the TV on type of kid. Mm -hmm. So, like whenever I do my homework or do some research and development, it's always throw on a show like Bob's Burgers for sure. Have you caught that show before? Absolutely. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's hilarious and like it's the first season was a slow burn. I wasn't sure where they were getting at with it, but once you're invested <laughs> in the stories, it's almost like The Simpsons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Once you're invested in the characters, uh, you just like you're ready for the next one. Exactly. So, excellent. And then the next thing I've been working on, which is really just reminding folk that I, I live stream on Twitch every Tuesday and Friday. I've actually been leveraging Twitch as a place where I also do research and development. So I've been segmenting my Twitch into segments, almost like a podcast, where I'll just introduce the thing we're going to work on, and then I'll go through issues. Any open source projects I need to maintain or work on, I just end up going through issues and chatting with the, the chat at the same time. And I find it's a, a much better way to triage issues in open source by having an audience. Yeah. Um, because then what happens is, after I've taught them how to use the issues, when I go to write some code, I've actually been throwing up ideas and people will go open the issue for me and then they'll go work on it. So I've actually got three new PRs merged in the last week just from using this technique. So if anybody wants to find me live on Tuesday and Friday on slash BW, come through, grab an issue, I'll open the issue, you open the issues, we'll all have fun. It's like Oprah and I uh, uh, hope everybody enjoys it. You get an issue,
0: you get an issue. <laughs> Everybody gets a PR.
1: I I need to actually record that. (laughs) So so next time I uh, I start the issue triaging, actually, I have a card. It's called Issues with Brian, and it has a jingle as well. And I've only played it a couple times, but it's basically, it's like, Issues with Brian. (laughs) That's as much singing you're getting out of me today. But it's a blast. Everybody come through. So you have any picks, Jackson?
0: I would say that this entire past year has been Downtime has been dedicated to English aristocracy since the war of the roses. Okay. And it's, it's incredibly dry, but I look at the world today and I see all, all of the infighting and the, it seems increasingly brutal and disconnected. And then you look at what they were doing back then and you feel better about the world because there were (laughs) a lot more swords and poking each other. And the most digestible, like easiest way into it is this series of series uh, produced by stars the White Queen, the White Princess, and the Spanish Princess, which ultimately covers most of the famous names you know in English aristocracy, and watching how they would marry for not for love, a sense of duty, and then you look at something as recent as Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, and, and she was an employee, and ultimately it was it was a much worse place to work a long time ago. Uh, so it gives you gives you faith that the world is moving forward ultimately. Yeah. Also it's beautifully shot and wonderfully scored and there's lots like as I said there's lots of slicing off of heads which is nice <laughs> that is
1: that's amazing yeah I've, I've definitely turned up the the documentations on like Netflix and stuff like that but also like I love the long series as well uh, I've caught a, a couple this year but including the Michael Jordan documentary oh yeah yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna check this out because I think it's the same thing with code. Like when you talk about the architecture, and like you can be stuck in a decision based on what was provided to you. When you really zoom out, like having things like HarperDB like give us a lot of stuff for free, it's a lot better than like rolling your own and, and building your own infrastructure to do the same thing to combine relational databases with document models. So yeah. I don't know. I might have shoehorned that correlation in that entire conversation to what you just said, but it felt strained. But I liked it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, folks, hopefully you like this conversation. And listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from
0: founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders.